Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Good morning and welcome to the Rain Manu Cherry Show. It is a lovely rainy day in, here in Seattle. And we say that lovely because we actually can see that the clouds are going to be breaking up by afternoon. It was think? even better five minutes before you walked in. There was really? a rainbow right outside. Oh, you missed the rainbow. I missed the rainbow. Okay. I miss and thank you again, Benny. I'm telling you. Benny is doing such an excellent job making sure that I get to the studio in a timely manner with less traffic. I don't know how you're doing that. Are you still bringing this up? I'm serious. I still know? have that much power? <laughs> yes. Amazing. So thank you so much because I even left a little bit later than typically because I had a bunch of things I had to do in the house this morning. Flexing my traffic muscles know, once again. right? And just beautiful traffic, wonderful flow to get here to the studio in gorgeous Seattle. I think it's not really me. I think just everyone on the road knows you now <laughs> and they're like, no, here comes Maria. Let's just part. Out oh, of the way. Very sweet. She's got things to do, people yeah. to talk to, wonderful information to give out in the air. Let's just give her the the, the free lane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I think yeah. that's what it is. It's not just me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They know you. Okay. Oops. Yeah. I don't think that's it. I, I'm actually going to continue to thank you because it's really working okay. beautifully. All right. you, you know, one of the things that um, has been happening in the United States in particular, I know it's been happening actually abroad for a little bit longer than it has for us, is our awareness of our intestinal health. And we happen to live in one of the wonderful um, places in the U.S. because we're home to Bastyr University. So we have a lot of naturopathic knowledge throughout our communities because of all the physicians that have filtered into our healthcare system. And so we've known a lot about um, our intestinal health, although it is kind of a challenge maintaining that beautiful intestinal health with all the interesting um, choices we have in the world to eat and the incredible amount of stress that we have. W- one of my greatest joys is to interview people who I believe are, are on the leading edge of thought. And today is one of those days. Um, I'm interviewing the author of Gut Bliss, Feel Light, Tight, and Bright, The Healthy Way. <laughs> A 10-day plan to ban bloat, flush toxins, and dump your digestive baggage. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And energetically, I believe the intestinal tract is really connected to our mental thinking because of the third layer of the auric field where all of our thoughts are housed. So stress and thoughts and relaxation and, of course, delicious food all play an excellent role in um, taking good care of our intestinal health. So mm-hmm. I am um, our guest today is Robin Chetkan, and I, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Um, MD is one of the most recognized gastroenterologists working in America today with a BS from Yale and an MD from Columbia. She operates and teaches in the Department of Georgetown University Hospital for Gastroenterology. Sorry, my um, stumbling a little bit with my language. <laughs> she has authored dozens of journal articles and book chapters. She has been a featured lecturer throughout the United States and internationally in Chile and Spain, Italy, France, and the Caribbean. Fluent in French and Spanish. Oh, lovely. And an avid snowboarder, marathon runner, and yoga practitioner. Um, you have also been featured on the Dr. Oz Show. So please welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Marie. Thank you for that warm welcome. Oh, you're very, very welcome. I'm just so thrilled and so happy that all of this wonderful knowledge, because I think modern medicine is so incredibly important. I don't think we can leave one part of medicine out of our repertoire of possible interventions for health. So when we have a highly educated MD 
who is passionate about medicine and her patients and caring for them, who is also educating all of us on things that we can do at home and and to be wise and to reduce our stress. I am just incredibly grateful. So thank you for your journey into discovering wonderful health and happiness for yourself, your family, and your patients. Thank you. And thank you for leading the way. Oh, of course. Yes. So um, I, I've been enjoying your book, but why don't you let our listeners know what 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 stumbled because what what helped you to stumble into holistic health or the a broader perception of nutrition when it comes to the intestinal tract because you know unfortunately there isn't a lot of nutrition taught in medical school that's so true and there certainly wasn't anywhere i went to medical school and i went to a terrific medical school at columbia there was lots of pharmacology and physiology and anatomy, but very little nutrition. The basic nutrition that we got was what were the components of something called total parenteral nutrition, TPN, which is a oh, milky yeah. white stuff mm. that um, that we feed people through the vein when they're in a hospital for a prolonged period of time and can't eat. And that was sort of it. It was, you know, now I look back now and I think, my goodness, it was so lacking. But I was, I finished my training in New York and I joined the faculty at Georgetown in 1997. My area of expertise was inflammatory bowel disease, two diseases in particular, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, which both, as you know, affect the intestines and the teaching through medical school and residency and my GI specialty training was that it doesn't matter what you eat. You just need to take these drugs and this will heal the inflammation. And over time, I just began to reject that idea. And I saw, you know, my eyes were really opened by the patients. I'm so grateful to all the wonderful patients I've seen over the years who have taught me so much. And patients started coming in and said, you know, I've been on this diet, whether it was a grain-free diet, a vegan diet, whatever it was. The interesting thing was it wasn't sort of one magical diet, but there was one main theme. When they stopped eating processed carbohydrates, refined sugar, Artificial, artificial sweeteners, some of these substances that really don't even meet the criteria of food. So mm-hmm. they really cleaned up their diet, whether it was a sort of more animal protein-based paleotype regimen or it was a gluten-free vegan regimen. They felt better, and their intestinal tracts looked better. You know, I would do colonoscopy on them after they've been on a particular regimen, and the inflammation had melted away. So I was not initially a believer. I was like most other gastroenterologists who thought that, you know, disease does just kind of fall from the sky into your lap, and there's a pharmaceutical remedy for it, and didn't really pay attention to diet. And really, through the patients showing me what could happen, what was possible, through changing their diet as well as other aspects of their lifestyle, I really became a believer. And, and I think I occupy that space that so many consumers of healthcare today occupy, which is a space between conventional medicine mm. and a more homeopathic medicine. And, and I'm will, I borrow from both sides. You know, I still wear a white coat and have a prescription pad, although I hate to use it. Um, <laughs> but I'm certainly a believer in, you know, in all kinds of alternative practices, whether it is yoga, guided meditation, visual imagery, energy work, you know, whatever heals you without hurting you, I am a believer in. So it, it really has been a journey, and it's still ongoing in terms of figuring out the, the different tools in our armamentarium to help our patients achieve their best digestive health. And, and me, myself, in my own life, you know, I'm always sort of going around and around, what should I eat? Should I try and be a raw vegan? <laughs> what should it be? So it, I think for all of us, it is really a journey. 
Well, you know, I think your patients are extremely blessed to have you. You picked an, an interesting specialty, not only GI, but the diseases that you enjoy treating. And, and I, I mean that because I can feel the joy in your in your voice. I, I can tell that when you look at the intestinal tract that you're in bliss. Even Well, I can tell <laughs> true. From, from your energy. Even if you're seeing a diseased intestinal tract, it's fascinating and, and interesting. And one of the things that... Um, that I think when you choose a specialty that you have, like Crohn's and um, um, diverticulitis and all these very difficult diseases to treat, there's a huge emotional component related to them as well. And I can I can tell that you really, really listen to your patients and that your patience for them is quite extraordinary. Thank you so much. You know, one of the things that I like about gastroenterology is that you, it, although the disease might be confined to the gut. It really affects the entire body. And, you know, Hippocrates said it many, many years before you or I did that all disease begins in the gut. So, for example, you know, young patients struggling with Crohn's disease, it affects their energy level, their mood, their libido, everything, you know, their relationships. An older person struggling with diverticulitis, the same thing. So I think of the GI tract as being the wheel and then, you know, sort of the hub, and then you have all these different spokes of relationships and energy and libido and all of these different things. So it's so incredibly gratifying when you heal the digestive tract and you see all these other things getting better too. You, know, wow. you see people's relationships improving and their vim and vigor comes back. So I think, you know, I think all specialists to some extent feel like their organ is the most important. I'm of sure course. the neurosurgeons <laughs> think it's all about the brain. But for me, it, it really is. I mean, I love the intestines. I really do. <laughs> well, it's it's so clear because you've been listening to them. They've been talking to you, you know, during your practice and, and teaching you wonderful things that have helped you to help your patients and yourself. You write in, in your book about your experience um, being a mother, you know, um, yes. uh, unfortunately or fortunately, because however a baby comes into the, to the world, all we want is a healthy baby and a healthy mom, but you ended up having something you weren't planning on, a C-section. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and your baby was given IV antibiotics right out of the womb, you know, as a precaution that you at the time thought, excellent, thank you so much for taking wonderful care of my gorgeous child. And um, lo and behold, you know, some sometime later, not too much time down the road, your daughter started to have some health issues with her own immune system, getting frequent colds and infections. And you actually trace that back to the antibiotics that were given shortly after birth and then, of course, the continued course for her illnesses and many other things. Absolutely. Just sort of an endless cycle. And, you know, Marie, you mentioned Bastyr University in your opening. So I had the good fortune to go to the most incredible course called Food is Medicine that's put on by the Center for Mind-Body Medicine based here in Washington. It was started by Dr. Jim Gordon, who's a very forward-thinking psychiatrist. And they put on this Food is Medicine course every year. And I, I went for the first time five or six years ago. And it was it was an OBGYN who, like me, sort of was a conventional OBGYN, but had gone through Bastyr University also. And he gave just this amazing talk about the importance of the baby going through the birth canal and being born vaginally. And quite frankly, if we were meant to have C-sections, we'd, have, we'd be born with zippers, you know, to just sort of <laughs> unzip and pop the baby out of the uterus. And, and so he talked about how that single act of the baby traveling through the birth canal and, and coming out vaginally is so essential in terms of colonizing the baby with the mother's important protective bacterial flora. And 
you know, the studies really show the C-section babies are colonized with hospital staff and just not great species. And then on top of that, you know, you have women not breastfeeding for as long for various reasons, whether it's milk dries up or convenience or whatever it is. And so that's a double whammy because now the baby isn't getting the passive immunity from the breast milk. And I, I definitely think, and as you said, at the time I thought it's great, they're just being extra careful, how wonderful. Um, but now when I look back and I think, so she had two very strong intravenous antibiotics when she was only an hour or two old. Wow. And then we just saw this never-ending cycle of air infections and pharyngitis. And, you know, one day I just thought, well, this is crazy. And I, I'm an obsessive filer. So I went up <laughs> to my little office here at home and I pulled out every single prescription and it had been about 16 courses of antibiotics, and my child was not yet two. Wow. And I thought, this is insane. And, you know, as my husband likes to tease me and say, and that's when she became a Scientologist. But that is actually <laughs> not true. I am not a Scientologist <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But, but you know, in all seriousness, it, it was when I sort of, I, I lost my faith a little bit in that moment uh, and thought, you know, I am relying on the medical system. And the physicians who were taking care of my daughter, wonderful, caring physicians who truly believed that they were doing the best for my daughter. But this is this is just sort of, you know, the dogma Mm -hmm. is the child comes in high fever, you give an antibiotic. And I really had to, you know, I didn't want to put on my doctor hat. I was trying to be a good mom and just, you know, not sort of interfere but I realized that they weren't really keeping track. I mean, when I finally sort of came in, and, you know, it was a different doctor every time frequently. It was a large practice. So when I finally came in and handed them the list, the little list I had made of all the different antibiotics and the dates, they were surprised. They were quite shocked. And that was when we decided to proceed with tubes for her ears, and that oh, really good. broke the cycle. And, you know, we she's been really healthy. She's a very rambunctious, almost nine-year-old. Aww. But we, we both had the flu this year, real flu, influenza. <laughs> and um, we were so sick. We had high fevers, and we were both in bed. And my husband kept saying, well, there must be something you can do. Why don't we, why, you know, maybe an antibiotic. And I just looked at him, and I said, honey, it's the flu. We just have to ride it out. You know, we just have to lie here in bed, sick for a week, and then we'll be better. Right. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I think it's, it's easy to lay the blame at the foot of the physicians, but there right. can be incredible pressure from patients who, you know, I'm a CEO and I can't afford to be sick. I need to be well. I need to get back to work. I want to I be better. You have to give me something. And the studies show, particularly in pediatrics, where you often have very anxious parents, the studies show that pediatricians are way more likely to prescribe an antibiotic when the parent expects it than when they don't. So one of the things that I'm really hoping will come out of gut bliss and and as we spread the word is for patients and parents in particular to be more judicious in how they allow their children to be treated with antibiotics and to, to not push for them and to sometimes question them when they're given and say, you know, do we really need to use this? You know, what would happen if we didn't take this? And the answer to that is usually, well, you'll be sick for a day longer. That's, that's usually the answer. I, I deal with this in my practice frequently now with the epidemic of Clostridium difficile, right. diff, yeah. which, as you know, is a, is a bacteria that is often present in very, very low levels in the digestive tract. Some of us are colonized with it at birth, 
But what happens is when you get an antibiotic for whatever reason, for a cold or infection or something, it basically allows the C. diff to proliferate because the antibiotic kills off so much of the protective good bacteria. And we're seeing a virtual epidemic of C. diff, not just in the hospital, which is where we used to see, but in the community. So I have several patients who have had recurrent episodes of very difficult to treat C. diff. And they'll call me and say, I have a sinus infection. I have to take an antibiotic. What should I do? And I say to them, if you take an antibiotic, you're going to get C. diff again, and you're going to be really sick, and there's just no way around that. So you just have to suffer through your sinus infection, (laughs) and it will get better and get out your neti pot and, you know, make some broth and drink a little green juice. But so I think this, you know, the, the expectation is a large part of it, that it's okay to be sick sometimes and just give our bodies time to heal, that that's wow. okay. We don't need to apply a remedy to everything immediately. Right. And maybe our bodies need to rest. Maybe part of the reason yes. why we get the flu or a sinus infection is because we really need to lay in bed and watch a lot of, you know, romantic comedy movies. Or Game of Thrones. <laughs> or Game of Thrones. <laughs> and drink lots of beautiful hot tea and gorgeous broth from soup and just chill. And that's so true. And just kind of check out from the busy day of life. You know, recent, I, I, my children have had very few antibiotics because um, I was raised very holistically. But my youngest, who um, is 23, so she's much older than your lovely uh, Sydney. Oh, my goodness. You were a child bride. <laughs> Not really, but maybe, yeah, kind of. And um, at any rate, she's in law school, and she can't afford to be sick. And she was sick recently, went to the doctor, and was going to, Mom, I'm going to take an antibiotic, I, you know, just letting you know. I'm like, okay, fine, honey, you know. And uh, she went in fully expecting that she would get a prescription, and her doctor would not give her one. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Good for them. Yeah, so she was a little frustrated. She goes, I go, well, honey, I guess you know, you just need to lay in bed, read those law books in bed, and take a lot of naps. <laughs> yes, wonderful. So we're having the pleasure of interviewing um, Robin Chutkin, if I'm saying your name correctly. You are. Thank Yay. you. Yay. The author of Gut Bliss. We're going to take a break here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show. We'll be right back. Marie is taking her Reiki workshop on the road this spring. Become a Reiki master the weekend of March 21st through the 23rd in Phoenix, Arizona. This two and a half day transformative workshop is open to all levels of experience and will certify you in Reiki 1, 2, and 3. You will learn to move energy within the body by practicing on other workshop participants. Marie will be your instructor guiding you with her own symbolic sight and providing constructive feedback. Here's what a past participant had to say. I was really impressed with Marie's Reiki workshop. I got so much out of it. The experience gave me not only the confidence to work on myself, but others as well. It was a fabulous experience that I would do again just for the fun of it. Take this opportunity to fulfill your dreams of becoming your very own certified Reiki master. You will receive a two minutes that will allow you to practice Reiki at the master level. Enrollment is limited, so please call 425-825-5671 or visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com, for more details. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. His memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting. 
pretty well. They honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. On Friday, Mance and Mitchell welcome Amanda Owen with dynamic ideas for women on how to reclaim their half of the universe. On Saturday, Dina Marie lights up the airwaves with insights about the effect of past lives on our health and well-being today. Then Reverend Rhea Sunshine returns kicking cosmic butt and taking names. She's also taking your calls, so be ready to tap into her psychic reservoir. Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Negativity and fear, two staples of talk radio. Well, we figured we'd try something different. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in, I guess, kind of rainy Seattle. <laughs> but we're, we're our temperatures are increasing and things are starting to bloom. We've got beautiful. Uh, I had someone on Facebook send me uh, a picture of their backyard and there was a deer in, in their yard. Aww. Yeah, their neighborhood deer. They call her Doey. And um, they also pointed out that the pansies were missing from the little um, flower bed right next to Doey. <laughs> Gee, I wonder where I they wonder, went. Yeah, well, Doey's taking good care of her of intestinal course. health. Yeah, exactly. You know? She's <laughs> making sure she's getting great fiber uh-huh. and organic, hopefully, material from those pansies um, to enhance her intestinal tract. So welcome back to the show. Um, the author of Gut Bless, Dr. Chutskin. Uh, am I saying this right? I'm so sorry. I, you I'm just... absolutely are. Oh, lovely. Yay. Yay. Welcome back to the show. So you also talk about menopause and perimenopausal women having extraordinary changes in their hormones. I can relate to this. Um, over the last decade, I've had some unusual experiences with my hormones and my intestinal tract. And uh, one of the things I didn't realize is that estrogen is actually an anti-inflammatory, which I had no idea. And, and so as it starts to plummet, along with the fact that you talk about when we start to enter into menopause, we have big um, actually increases in estrogen that actually can affect the intestinal health and lead to some of these uncomfortable situations that women may experience like weight gain and gas and bloating and pain with digestion and constipation and all of these things that make us feel very uncomfortable. That's so true. And, you know, the understanding the hormonal rhythms is so complicated. You really need a PhD, which is why I think they just call it the change. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the change. But what happens is that even though estrogen levels are falling, and as you pointed out, estrogen can work as an anti-inflammatory, the ratio of estrogen to progesterone is also changing so that you are often in a more estrogen-dominant situation. So, Again, your overall estrogen level may be lower, but relative to progesterone, you still have more estrogen on board, and that can lead to all kinds of additional issues too, but both progesterone and estrogen can affect the GI tract. Estrogen can uh, cause you to retain water and feel puffy and bloated and so on, and uh, progesterone can affect the contractility of the GI tract. I think one of the most important things for women to realize is that these changes don't just happen when you stop menstruating. They start to happen as far beyond that as a decade before. So if you figure that many women end up 
stopping, that their menstrual cycle stops at a rest somewhere between 45 and 50, let's say 48, that these changes can manifest really from 38. Yeah. So, um, you know, so often women are sort of like, I can't figure it out. You know, I'm not, I don't know what's going on. Things are just different. And one of the key things is that you have to anticipate that and you have to change things up a little bit. Um, if you keep on doing the same thing that you did in your 20s and early 30s, you're going to find that it's just not working the same way. So you need, you need sort of a different formula as your body changes. Wow. No, I think that's completely true. Um, in a way, uh, from a a very small micular, uh, microbiology level, s- someone's entire cellular system is changing. If your estrogen is lower and your progesterone is lower and, and it's affecting your entire endocrine system, then you're actually talking about a relatively different ecosystem in your body. That's absolutely right. And I, it's probably manifested in the pituitary too. So mm-hmm. our, you know, our sort of um, brain biology is different too. And the thyroid, you talk extensively about the thyroid here, which I think is so important when it comes, of course, to our overall health and, of course, the the connection to the pituitary and estrogen levels as well. And that we can even have um, false lab results about the thyroid when, indeed, there actually is a problem going on. Absolutely. I am just blown away, Marie, by the amount of women I see who have thyroid problems. One day I counted, and it was a third of all the patients I'd seen that day had hypo or hyperthyroidism. And of course, hypo and underactive thyroid is more common. And I'm a gastroenterologist. You know, I'm not an endocrinologist. So, so common. And I, I have to believe that there's something. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, there's something in the water. I mean, there's something <laughs> that's going on that's affecting our thyroid. It, it just, again, I just reject this idea that disease just falls out of the sky, whether it's chemicals in the food, toxins in the makeup, stuff getting in through the gut. There's some reason why so many people, and women in particular, are having thyroid glands that are not functioning normally. You know, I think it's from an energetic perspective. When when we look at women as we age, one of the things I think we're meant to do is to be more honest with ourselves and express our truths. We work so hard in managing our family and and being a diplomat and um, trying to keep the peace in every area of our life. And we tend to negate our own happiness and our own joy. And I think when we get to a, a certain time in our life, like m- menopausal time or even premenopausal, uh, I think our, our greatest joy and perhaps secret desires is to be able to step into the authenticity of who we are. And when we can express that, if we allow ourselves to, I, I think that we can potentially send more energy to the thyroid gland um, and potentially help that, that area to function well. But a- as you said, there is a... a, a, a a collage of things that are affecting our health and well-being from stress related to the environment um, to uh, hormones for women and men as well because they're having hormonal changes as well Absolutely. as they age. But I love the point you made just now about how our mind can affect our body because it's something that is still such a foreign concept in the American medical system. And so I, I'm a huge fan of Herbert Benson, who was a Harvard cardiologist, wrote a tiny little book called The Relaxation Response. Uh, and he was, the, the book basically, the theme is the idea that you can affect these different, these different readings in our body. You can affect your heart rate and uh, your blood pressure through your mind, through meditation. And he did it in the lab with chimpanzees, and then he did it with humans, and he wrote this book because his initial observation was that when patients came into the office, their blood pressure was often higher 
than the reading they got at home. And we call that white coat hypertension, where people are sort of nervous and anxious. Of course. And we thought, gosh, <laughs> you know, maybe we can do the opposite. If they're nervous and anxious mm. when they come in to see me, maybe I can train them to be less nervous and anxious and their blood pressure would go down. And lo and behold, it worked. And he wrote this book, and he was laughed out of the medical community. Right. I mean, he was sort of blacklisted. And, of course, now the book has gone through numerous printings and has sold millions of copies. And now we're all sort of going, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> so it's amazing how something that has been, you know, intuitive, common sense part of other medical cultures, of Eastern medical cultures, for literally right. thousands of years that we're only now beginning to embrace the idea that your mind can affect your body. And so I love what you pointed out about sending positive energy the way of our thyroid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the example I love to give people is what happens when you're scared. You know, if a huge snake all of a sudden crosses your path, which would be probably for me the most terrifying thing that could happen, (laughs) my pupils would dilate, my heart rate would go up, my blood pressure would go up, my Your hair would stand on it, I'd start to sweat, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is, you know, snake hasn't bitten me or anything, just wow. from an emotion. So it is, you know, and the opposite is true. We can, we can make those things work to our advantage, work the other way. And I've seen numerous examples of people who have gone through biofeedback or done transcendental, transcendental meditation and had their thyroid function return to normal. And yet when you say that to a lot of conventional doctors, they still look at you like you're bonkers. <laughs> so. well, well, you know, one of the things, and, and of course, as I'm saying this, I what I'm about to say, I wish no one any ill health. I, you know, I, I really love the body and, and I believe that we're all meant to be healthy, happy individuals. But one of the things I love about autoimmune disorders is that it's forced us to look at holistic health and how to reduce stress because conventional medicine can help with the symptoms, but not really. um, In in some cases, of course, some people do incredibly well with um, pharmacology. But for the most part, a lot of people don't do great in terms of recovering from an autoimmune disorder, um, something like like Crohn's disease. It's a band-aid. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's the the answer that that we're in search of is the why. Okay, we know what. We know you have Crohn's, so we know you have Graves' disease, or you have lupus, but why? Right. Why do you have that? And the other issue with autoimmune disease is because they tend to cluster. So people oh. often don't have just Crohn's. They have Crohn's and psoriasis and arthritis, wow. or they have lupus and alopecia and eczema. And I say to people, so what are the chances that you just happen to get four separate diseases at 29 and there's no connection? And and I think people realize, gosh, nobody has that bad luck. So people start to think there must be a connection here, and um, and there often is. And, and sometimes it's the gut or it's often some sort of exposure to something, maybe the gen- genetic predisposition. And, of course, a lot of these triggers are as yet unidentified. But I think people's wheels are starting to turn and they're starting to say, hmm, there, there must be some common thread here for why my health is, is being affected this way. Yes, absolutely. And so one of the things that you do in your book, which I love things that don't take, I mean, I realize paying attention to our health is a lifelong um, divine sacred quest. <laughs> but you have a 10-day plan to ban bloat, flush toxins, and dump your digestive baggage. And in this 10-day plan, I, I love what you, you said um, for foods to avoid that there's an acronym for them, SAD gas. <laughs> SAD gas, yes. So, you know, the plan, Marie, I have to tell you, I, the, the folks at Penguin could not have been more lovely to work with and at my imprint, Gotham Avery. 
Yes. And I, I wrote the book, and literally the book from start to finish, about 300 pages, had not one subheading, table, anything. It was basically you know, 300 pages of storytelling. And my wonderful editor at Penguin, Lucia, said, Aww. well, this is great, but, you know, it would be nice to have some a little bit of a call to action, you know, <laughs> to make it a little more how-to, yeah. a little more prescriptive, you know, without the prescription pad. Um, and and she really, and some other folks who helped me were so helpful with helping me organize the information. And she said, you know, Robin, we really need to have a plan. People like to have a plan. I mean, they will digest this information, but at the end of the day, then what? Mm-hmm. You know, it would be so helpful. So I resisted a little bit. I was like, well, they just, you know, they'll learn about digestive wellness and that will be it. I resisted. And now I'm so glad I did Me need a plan. Me too. I love <laughs> but, it. I love it. And the plan is not... You know, there, there are lots of terrific books out there with great plans. Um, my plan is pretty simple. There are not a lot of bells and whistles to it. Um, and then she also said, gosh, why don't you tell people what you eat in a 10-day period? You know, give people sort of a sample. Right. And so that was fun, too. Um, but it is, it is, I think, that good health can be simple. Often we're looking for some sort of complicated, sexy fix to things. <laughs> and often it is as simple as it rest. Leisure, water, green vegetables. Right. <laughs> you know, it is, can right. be quite simple. Sad gas, I literally stumbled on. And, and the, the issue with the plan, I really struggled about whether to make it a vegan plan or not. I right. am not a vegan myself, but I do think most of us would benefit greatly from eating more plants and less animal protein. And, and finally, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to make it a vegan plan because I'm not a vegan, and that's going to be really tough for lots of people. And at the end of the day, I also believe that a little animal protein for most people is probably okay. I completely so agree. I, completely. Yeah, so I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to make it super restrictive, mm-hmm. but I thought about sort of the my hit list of things that were the most common offenders in my bloated patients, and that's when I came up with sad gas. So the sad part, soy, and this actually is a problem for a lot of my vegan patients, so not so much soy like edamame or soy sauce, but if you are primarily plant-based and you're eating a lot of soy replacement products as meat replacement, you can be taking in a lot of processed soy, and some of it is genetically modified soy, which we think is probably not such a great idea, and large amounts of processed soy can have an estrogen-like effect, and that can be a problem for some people, and it can certainly be cause of bloating. The A in the SAD is artificial sweeteners, which I don't even consider a food group. I consider a chemical group. And these artificial sweeteners are not well absorbed in the small intestine where, more car- where most carbohydrates are absorbed. Mm. And so they float on down to the large intestine, the colon, where they are then fermented by gut bacteria and they produce a tremendous amount of gas and bloating and often discomfort. So I recommend calories over chemicals every day of the week. And so artificial sweeteners really to be avoided, a major cause of bloating. The D in SAD is dairy. So somewhere around 75% of the world are lactose intolerant. And to me, I'm a big believer in listening to your body and, and heeding the feedback it gives you. So if every time you drink milk or eat cheese, you have bloating and gas and diarrhea and you're uncomfortable, I don't think you need to come and see me to know what to do. But so many people then just reach for a lactate product. You know, if you're missing the enzyme to digest milk, you're better off not consuming right. milk. It's, and- you know, it's not rocket science. <laughs> So so dairy can really be a problem, and I find 
for so many women, dairy is a portable source of protein that mm. tastes good. And, you know, they grab, grab a Greek yogurt for after the gym or a piece of cheese. And, you know, if you're having dairy every day and you don't feel great every day, it's difficult to make the association. When I have my patients do a food diary, they're often shocked themselves that sometimes they're having cheese three times a day. You know, there's some or milk, there's some sort of milk in the morning, then there's cheese at lunch, and then more cheese at dinner, and they don't even realize they're having three or four servings of dairy a day, or there's cottage cheese with fruit. So the the SAD gas plan is really an elimination plan to try for 10 days, and at the end of those 10 days, if you feel marvelous, it's fine to continue to avoid these things, but if you feel like, gosh, I really miss my dairy, I wonder if that's the culprit, reintroduce one thing at a time, and if you reintroduce the dairy and your back really bloated again, I think you have your answer. But that's the sad part. The gas part, this is a really tricky part. This is the part where all my girlfriends say to me, well, what am I supposed to eat then if I'm not (laughs) having gluten, alcohol, and sugar? (laughs) So gas is, is gluten, which, as you know, is a protein found in wheat, rye, and barley. Primarily, there's some cross reactivity with oats and and other grains, but wheat, rye, barley would be the main ones there. And um, gluten is, of course, people who are allergic to gluten have a disease called celiac disease, an autoimmune disease, quite common, almost 1% of the population in the U.S., but millions more are gluten-sensitive or intolerant of gluten, and the manifestations can vary dramatically from bloating and GI distress, constipation or diarrhea, to brain fog, infertility if you have uh, celiac disease, celiac disease associated with arthritis, diabetes, all kinds of things. But gluten intolerance can, can manifest in many different ways. Migraines, a common one. And again, like the dairy, most people are having some form of wheat every day. And so they sort of feel crummy every day and they don't put two and two together until they eliminate it. And the fog lifts and they feel better. And then when they reintroduce it, they feel particularly bad most of the time. The, the wheat that we eat today is not the wheat that our ancestors That's, ate. It's, I, I was so fascinated yeah. by that when I read that in your book. I didn't realize we oh, did some crossbreeding in absolutely. the 70s. So wow. not technically genetically modified, but it's a slow version of genetic modification. So I'm a huge fan of Dr. William Davis's book, Wheat Belly. And, and whether you are gluten sensitive or not or have celiac disease or, or you know, are, are completely uninterested in whether you should be eating gluten or not, you will be very interested in it after you read Wheat Belly because the history of wheat is fascinating, and he does a fantastic job at really delving into that. And and so many people, when they read that, their eyes are open. They're like, oh, okay, so it's it's not the same thing as what our grandparents ate. It's a very different product, and our small intestines aren't exactly sure what to do with it, which is why so many people have these reactions to it. So that is gluten. A, alcohol. I'm not suggesting that everyone become a teetotaler and never (laughs) drink again, but certainly, um, you know, not drinking for 10 days. And, you know, if you can't not drink for 10 days, that might be a problem. Right, exactly. It's a good little intellectual exercise, if you will. Alcohol can be really bloating. Um, You know, it affects the liver, the main organ of detoxification. It's metabolized to acetaldehyde, which is the first cousin of formaldehyde, which everyone knows is a toxin. And it really, you know, when I scope people who are drinkers, their stomach is so beat up. It's red and inflamed. And, and, you know, you see it on their skin. You know, if you see people Mm -hmm. who drink a lot and they often have that sort of red nose, the stomach looks the same way. And so 
lightening up the alcohol and maybe just get getting rid of it for for several days and then reintroducing it at a lower level can be really helpful. And then the last is my beloved sugar. I, I'm good with everything else. I mean, we're, you know, we're the picture of virtue with our food, but I do have a sweet tooth, which I struggle with, and so does my daughter. <laughs> so we, we bake a lot of things from this wonderful site called Comfy Belly, Aww. and it's such a great site, and she uses coconut flour and almond flour and all kinds of different alternative flours, and so we... We try to make lots of delicious but healthy treats from that site and avoid more of the processed, refined, sort of high sugar stuff that you buy commercially. But sugar, um, you know, for so many people, it just causes you to grow the wrong kind of garden. If you think of the gut bacteria right. as the plants that you're growing in your digestive garden, right. and it encourages the growth of yeast species and other undesirables instead of the healthy species that you get when you're eating lots of kale and artichokes and asparagus. So sugar, sugar can be a problem. I think in moderation, most people will tolerate it fine. Well, and our sugar is bleached and it has chemicals in it. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's, true. it's not really healthy for, you know, any form of consumption. And, and I think, you know, eating healthy sugars in, in very small quantities is, is wonderful. But um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of in everything, kind of like how gluten's in everything. Yes, um, it's a filler and, in so many things. Yeah. And so do you think that we've just kind of reached this really kind of tipping point collectively in the U.S.? And I'm sure there's many areas globally, but I look at other cultures like European cultures where they um, eat more fresher foods and they don't probably have the same genetic wheat that we have, perhaps. Um, but do you think we've just reached a tipping point where our inflammatory process is just kind of blown out of proportion now? And that's why everyone's or many people are reevaluating their diet and trying to find ways to stay healthy. Absolutely, Marie. You know, I think we have in many ways sold our souls for the sake of convenience. And I, you know, I'm not advocating that we go back to the cave, although I am trying to persuade my husband that we need to sell our house <laughs> in D.C. and move to a farm and grow all our own I food. saw that. You're, you're thinking yeah, of moving I, your practice to this lovely obsessed. organic farm. <laughs> I am obsessed. And my husband keeps thinking, like, I don't want to spend my whole weekend weeding. Oh, um, so sweet. But, I love it. We, you know, we really, this, this whole idea of convenience is doing us in, and, you know, you, you don't, again, I'm not suggesting that we spend our whole time cooking food, but you get out of it what you put in. You know, if you take some, I think this whole concept of microwave food is so crazy. You know, if, yeah. you, if you think about it, if you have ever seen uh, an animal slaughtered, you know, if you kill a chicken, that meat starts to rot in a couple hours, <laughs> hours. Yeah. And so, you know, you kill a chicken on in March of 2014, and you put it in this little box, and you stick it in the freezer, and you pull it out two years later, I just think that's bizarre. And I just don't think it's such a good idea. Uh, It just cannot be a good idea to be eating a chicken from two years ago. Um, And and it's incredibly convenient, of course, to pop this thing out of the freezer and into the microwave and onto your plate. But we really have to think about, you know, just have more common sense around that. I mean, we want to believe, we want to believe that these things are are so convenient and the label says that they're, you know, they're organic and they're this and they're that. And we want to believe, but I really, I want people to have one eyebrow raised. (laughs) We had, we had a funny, a funny incident when my daughter, who's almost nine, a couple years ago when she was six or seven. And, um, it was around Halloween and they were running a lot of these ads for the man, witch. 
the man, which is apparently making a comeback. And um, they had this little kid dressed up like in a man, which costume for Halloween, you know, sort of like a burger. And the ad was saying, um, oh, two servings of vegetables. And, you know, it was ground beef with tomato sauce, the man, which <laughs> on bread. And my daughter looked at me and raised one eyebrow and she said, nonsense. And I said, yeah, that's right. Now, she still would much rather, you know, eat a cookie than kale most days, but at least she recognizes, she recognizes that this is nonsense. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, Robin. You are amazing. It's so lovely to have you on the show, a highly educated physician who is learned about nutrition and health and combines it in her practice and and it was the founder of the digestive center for women in um, washington dc so thank you so much your book is gut bliss i hope that everybody runs out and gets it it's so educational and very well written thank you again for coming on the show i hope that you'll come back again thank you marie it would be my pleasure thank you benny (laughs) that's lovely and we'll be right back we're going to take a break here on marie menu cherry show Hi, my name's Travis, and I'm your host of the Create the Life You Want show, airing Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we will explore our collective experiences and dive deep into all aspects of our being. Every show will provide topics, insight, guidance, and techniques designed to empower your life. I'll be taking calls, answering questions, and using my psychic insight to provide you with opportunities to access your own unique abilities to create abundance in your life right now. It's all about you on the Create the Life You Want show. Join me Saturdays at 1 on Alternative Talk 1150. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. You could become Marie's friend on Facebook or even follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's website. There's tons of new features like Chakra of the Month, a live Twitter feed, and three PDFs with extensive exercises for your chakras. You can also sign up for Marie's free quarterly newsletter and also get your questions answered in her Dear Marie column. Simply email Marie your question and she will answer it in an upcoming edition. Marie also will be speaking and signing books throughout the U.S. in 2013. Find out if she'll be in your area on her events page at energyintuitive.com. Manifesting dreams into reality is meant to be exciting and easy. When the tools you use stop working, a lack of self-worth is most likely holding you back. Marie's Affirm Your Worth cards are the perfect solution to increase self-appreciation while magnetizing your dreams into reality in a nurturing and fun way. Order the Affirm Your Worth cards online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Got it? Cool. Welcome back to Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in kind of sort of rainy Seattle. I always bring up the weather because it helps us to stay in the present moment. If you could just for a moment, wherever you are, if it's daylight or nighttime, if it's snowing, maybe it's a gorgeous 80 degrees wherever you are. If you could just look out the window or pull the curtains back, open up a door and just connect to the present. That allows us to have a better um, responsibility with our energy system. It helps us to make excellent decisions when we're present, and it connects you in a superb way to your natural intuition. Speaking of which, I will be, I'm leaving tomorrow actually for Irvine, California. I will be giving a book talk on intuitive health at the School of Multidimensional Healing. 
um, between 7 and 9 o'clock, um, self-healing talk and a book signing. And then the following day, March 8th, between 1230 and 5.30 p.m., I'll be teaching a workshop, Connecting to Guidance, one of my favorite things to do. And then coming up towards the end of the month, I will be in Phoenix, Arizona, teaching a two-and-a-half-day workshop on Reiki. So March 21st through the 23rd, you can go to energyintuitive.com, click the events page. You can find out where I'm going to be hanging out and what I'm going to be teaching. Um, I'm also going to be heading to New York. Uh, at the very end of um, May, I will be in Omega from May 30th through June 1st. I'm teaching a, oh, wow, what is that, a four-day workshop? I think so. <laughs> um, no, I'm just saying that because um, I'm looking at Alyssa, you know, because she reminds me of all the things that I'm doing. But a beautiful workshop on healing your body intuitively. I'm super excited. If you live on the East Coast and if you've been to Omega or you've never been, which I have not been, I've heard it's a beautiful and amazing facility. You can go to omega.com and check out their information, actually omega.org, excuse me, or you can go to energyintuitive.com and find out all about the places that I'll be at. We have a caller who's been waiting. So patiently. So patiently, and she has a question, so I would love to answer that for her to the best of my ability. Yep, let's bring on Maura, and she is calling in from New Hampshire. Maura, welcome to the Marie Manucherry Show. What's going on? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Of course. What can we do for you, Maura? Um, I've been having some health issues, and the doctors aren't sure what's causing it, but um, there's a lot of symptoms. I'm feeling frustrated and not sure how to create health. Right, right. And how long have you been having the symptoms? For a while, but Mm -hmm. it's gotten worse. The Mm -hmm. symptoms are worse. Mm -hmm. Several months, but in the past few weeks, um, uh, they've become paralyzing. Uh-huh. And paralyzing in what way? Um, just affecting. I have three daughters, and yeah. trying to get up and function. Yeah, um, makes it very hard. Right. Well, well, he, he, I drew out your energy as you're talking. By the way, and there's a couple of things going on. Um, but one of them is that you're terrified. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, yes. Yeah, you're off the charts, scared to pieces that something horrible is going to happen to you. Or is happening to you and that you're not going to function. It's You're just yeah. terrified. And literally what I picked up on, because actually I think That's you're... amazingly right on. <laughs> it's my job. It's my job. Um, one of the things I picked up on right away when I drew out your energy, not that there is, isn't something going on, but overall I actually think you're healthy. That's how I feel. Um, huh. Yeah, because I drew out your energy system and there's a, a way I can look at the chakras. Not that there isn't some things I want you to do or um, some things that I want you to shift. But what I saw, so overall I think you're healthy, um, which is good. Um, it doesn't mean that there aren't things to do. But then I immediately saw some previous lifetimes and I'm seeing two of them. One is actually more glaring than the other one. And so in, in two previous lifetimes, and this is why this is important when we look at health, well-being, love, happiness, wealth, all of that, is when there's something that pushes all of our buttons or scares the heck out of us or follows us in life in terms of something difficult. And this hasn't been following you in life, in my mind, but something pushed your buttons regarding it. And now you're in this terror, this absolute complete terror of being paralyzed, like physically paralyzed, even though you're not paralyzed at all. Um, But even that's the word you described. Um, So in this previous lifetime, um, you actually lived during a time period where people got very, very ill and had long, long difficulties, whether there was a famine or there was some disease like polio, but polio is a fairly contemporary. I mean, it's not, it doesn't happen anymore, but it's not that long ago. And most souls wait about 100 years before they incarnate. So I don't think it's polio. 
Um, but there was some horrific disease, or maybe it was genetic in the family, or maybe it was a disease before it was ever diagnosed. Like we had a lot of babies die of CF before it was ever diagnosed, um, or maybe even diabetes before it was diagnosed. So you have this fear because you were born in a family that had a genetic um, health issue and lots of family members died. And so whenever an illness is knocking on your door, even just a cold or the flu, you freak out. And so now you have something mysteriously happening and you don't know what's wrong with you. And thankfully, the doctors don't know either. I always tell my patients that I see, I see a lot of people who have, you know, immune disorders or something going on and it's not diagnosable because it hasn't manifested in the physical. I always tell them, yay, this is a good thing. So um, because it hasn't manifested in the physical. So here's the thing. I want you to work on your fear. You've had this fear huge amounts of fear for a very, very, very long time in your body. And something triggered you. I I don't know exactly what it is. And that could be because maybe it's really not that important. Um, What's important is that your buttons have been pushed and your body is cycling in a very high level of stress, very high level of stress. And that's not good for the body. That could potentially bring on something, that high level of stress. So here's what I want you to do. I would love for you every single day, maybe um, first thing in the morning, maybe before you go to bed, maybe multiple times a day, I would love for you to close your eyes, get very quiet somewhere. And and it's not really a meditation, but I want you to repeat a phrase silently or out loud. And the phrase is, I am safe. I am safe. Because we need to get your whole beautiful system to relax and calm down so you can start to believe the truth that you're perfectly fine. And in my mind, and not that there aren't a few little things going on, but I don't believe anything horrifically serious. And, um, and then I would love for you to do some tapping. I'm going to have Alyssa send you a link um, to um, Brad Yates. He's my favorite tapper. It's EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique. He has hundreds of videos on his website. This will be about releasing fear and worry. Um, so stay on the line because she's going to get your email contact information and send you a video. So what do you feel about what we're talking about right now? I think um, your wisdom is um, is like someone just a bird flew in and landed on my windowsill with a sign that says serenity on it because um, I am in terror and there are reasons for it and I know what what push my buttons, Ah, but I don't know how to shift the cycle inside my nervous system. Right. So if I can have a mantra every day or um, do tapping, I will do that. Great. And to hear about the health, like, I'm not sure what's causing the dizziness or the fatigue or the brain fog, but if I can do something about it to cultivate um, balance, I would love that. Yeah. I mean, the third layer of your field has a little bit of issues and so does your solar plexus, but that's not that unusual. You know, doing, taking really good care of our health, similar to what we had lovely Robin speaking to about, you know, over this last hour, that's really important that all those symptoms that you just talked about are kind of related to what she talked about. Um, but you look like, was, to me. Go thank ahead. you. I, I enjoyed <laughs> listening to that show yeah. and, um, I'm, um, it was well worth um, 60 minutes or if it had to be 60 <laughs> days to wait to hear some feedback. Thank you. You're so welcome. Have a beautiful day and keep us posted. We we all in Radio Land wish you amazing health and I'm wishing everyone, Benny and I and Alyssa, we're wishing everyone beautiful health and happiness and a beautiful day. Joyful blessings. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.